0: Hello and welcome to the Help With My Visa podcast, the show that tells you everything you need to know about travel, mobility and immigration, because when it comes to these things, you can never have too much information. I'm your host, Gareth Richards, and today I'm delighted to welcome to the show, Karina Bedford. Karina is an emerging markets consultant, and she's going to give us her five top tips on how to stay safe when traveling somewhere new and unfamiliar. Karina, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Gareth. Hi, everyone. Uh, as Gareth said, yeah, I'm Karina. I'm from London and I work as an emerging markets consultant.
0: Excellent. It well,
1: involves anything from, it's primarily Africa to a smaller extent Asia, and it involves anything from doing market intelligence reports for companies who want to set up operations in these countries. It can be going into these countries and finding the company's real estate, office space, residences for their staff, and it can be doing security audits on their existing properties in the countries, security intelligence reports, basically any project management work in Africa and Asia.
0: Wow, that's, and, that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, and I've been lucky enough, together with personal travel over the last 17 years, I've been lucky enough to visit I think, 35 African countries and 80 countries in total. Wow. I hope that I'm in a good place and touch words nothing particularly untoward has happened to me during all this time even though I've been largely traveling or working on my own so hopefully I'm in a good position to offer some useful tips if you're traveling to high-risk areas.
0: I, I certainly think so and uh, you know it's, it's a real joy having you here and you know staying safe while traveling is often one of the Biggest concerns for people. In fact, I remember reading a CNN article a while back when they found that uh, safety and security was the top travel concern cited by 67 percent of the people they interviewed. So I think that what you're going to talk about today is certainly going to be, you know, very useful for people in in, in many many travel situations. So that 35 African countries and. 80 countries in total. Wow. I mean, do, do, do you have anywhere else left on your bucket list? Is there anywhere else you, you, you're you still sort of itching to, to go visit when we can move around a little bit more?
1: Well, I mean, there's 54, arguably 56 African states. <laughs> so I've still got a fair few on that list. And I've also, <clears throat> I've never been to South America, so I'd love to explore there further. So plenty more places on my bucket list.
0: Cool, cool. So... Is it, is it fair to say you have a something of a love story with Africa?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Yeah, so where, where did that begin?
1: Well, funnily enough, it, it began when I was nine watching Comic Relief. And they had the theme tune that year was Love Can Build a Bridge by Cher and Chrissy Hind. And it was back in the day of VCRs. And in the music video for that song, they zoomed in to a scene in Africa and I was only nine but I just kept rewinding it kept rewinding it to the African scene and just wanted to be there Mm. so at the first possible opportunity when I was 18 I went out to South Africa and volunteered there and then my love affair with Africa began there.
0: Wow wow and and you mentioned the travels it's not just been sort of business of volunteering you've you've traveled um you know sort of personally as well for, for for pleasure around around some of these places. What what, what sort yeah. of what sort of tourist destinations have, have sort of most stood out for you in Africa?
1: i absolutely probably my top three countries are Rwanda, Malawi and Namibia all for very different reasons. Hmm. Namibia is just the skeleton coast. You have shipwrecks, you, you have to get a four by four otherwise you can't okay. drive anywhere. They have shipwrecks. Um, you know, every thousand kilometers down the shore where you drive, they have the Himba tribe who are just fascinating. They have a seal colony. They, there's just and then sporadic campsites, but apart from that, there's nothing. No phone signal. Nothing. It's just wow. really fascinating and almost lunar landscape with all the um, the sand
0: dunes. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned Rwanda and, and Malawi as well.
1: Yeah, well, Malawi, you've got Mount Melange. They often say it looks actually like the Scottish Highlands. <laughs> Malawi, which you'd never think, but it actually does when you're up in the mountains.
0: Yeah, just a little warm, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Minus the, bag, the bagpipes. We've <laughs> got Lake Malawi, which has some of the most spectacular sunsets on Earth. And it's just... These are often holiday destinations that people just don't think of, but they're really easy to get around, extremely friendly people, super cheap.
0: Mm, yeah, fantastic. Okay, so you, today you're going to um, talk us up through your five top tips for, for staying safe when traveling somewhere new and unfamiliar. But your your first tip actually starts before you've even left the house, and that's, agreeing safe words with your, your employer, family and friends so that the people back home know that you're safe or, or God forbid, even in trouble. So what, what kind of things can, can, can we do around safe words?
1: Right, so if you're travelling for business before you set off, you should agree with your company some proof of life questions. Mm-hmm. And this is instances if you're kidnapped and they demand a ransom so that your family, the company, can know that you're alive. So this is questions and answers that you agree with your employer that only you would know. Mm. It might be, you know, what's st- what was the street name you lived in ten years ago? Right. And something that the hostage takers would ask you to prove to your family or your company that you're still alive. Mm. Okay. So probably no, you tend to agree three proof of life questions. That's if you're travelling for business. If you're travelling for like pleasure, just travelling, backpacking. What I did when I first started travelling to more dangerous areas, I agreed with my family that if I ever had to call them under duress that had to pretend everything was okay, you can say, for example, if you normally say, hi, mum, or hi, dad, you'd agree with your mum and dad that if you were calling under duress, you'd say, hi, mother, hi, father. You know, something different from the norm that you agree with them. So they know that you're calling under duress, but your hostage takers don't know.
0: Right. Okay. That that. That's so there's really... all
1: sorts of variants of that, but you can agree with your family what you might be saying your surname. It might be, you know, saying a particular word.
0: Hmm. Okay. Cool. So it it, it it's agreeing something that would sound. Normal or natural to whoever's in the room with you, but the person on the other end of the phone, they they will know immediately a spark will go off. Hang on, something's something's not right here.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Okay. I think that's that's really good advice. Would would you do that a similar sort of thing with employers as well?
1: Yeah, you could do on top of the proof of life, and when you're traveling for business, also. My former employer put me on, there's a course run by Pilgrims Direct, which is a specific hostile environments training course. And on these courses, you learn how to behave if you're taking capture, how to, you know, first aid, all kinds of challenges that you might face. So if you're traveling for business, obviously, if you're traveling for pleasure, you can pay for yourself to go on this course. But if you're traveling for work, it might be an idea to ask your employer if they will put you on that course.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really good advice, actually. Okay, great. So the the, the second top tip that uh, that you have, we've we've now arrived at our destination. Maybe, maybe it's the airport, or maybe we're on the way to the hotel. So what what sort of things do we need to to look out for? Well,
1: firstly, if you're getting an airport pickup by you know your hotel, your hostel make sure you ring up in advance and find out not only the person's name, number, number plate, but also their description. Because in cases, I've particularly heard this around West Africa, but I imagine it happens lots of places where the person who is legitimately picking you up gets attacked, the board with your name on, and the accommodation gets taken by the criminals and they stand in wait at the airport and you just unwittingly get in their vehicle.
0: Yeah, because I guess it's that
1: To your you, imagination.
0: Yeah, I guess if you step you know, you see somebody standing there with the with the sign with the hotel logo on in your name, it you, you sort of automatically just think, oh yeah, this is the guy or the girl, and you, you, you sort of don't ask too many questions, do you? But that's that's a really good point. So would you sort of you know maybe maybe get the person's mobile phone number, give them a call when you're waiting for your bag, something like that.
1: Yeah, and also specifically what they're wearing, because I mean, Mm. the attacker could potentially steal that person's mobile phone as well.
0: Mm. So
1: get what they're wearing, whatever level of detail you can get, more the more the more useful.
0: Okay, great. So if if we've managed to navigate uh, the airport um, successfully without without issue, what, what about sort of getting from there to to wherever you're going? Maybe it's a hotel or, or maybe it's an office. What sort of things do we need to look out for um, on that journey?
1: Well, I mean, I found this particularly in Asia. If you're getting a taxi, the taxi driver will often tell to you the road we need to take is closed due to... Uh, protest due to a festival or they'll just tell you that your hotel's in a very dangerous area and what they'll do is they'll ask you for your hotel number, the phone number, they'll dial it from, they'll appear to be dialing it from their own phone um, and then they'll speak to the staff member, put the hotel staff member onto the phone to you and their hotel staff member will confirm that the hotel's overbooked or whatever the excuse may be. And in fact, this person you're talking to is a accomplice of the taxi driver, and you then get taken to a scam tourism office. And this, can, especially if you're arriving late at night, this can be really disconcerting, scary. So I just say, be as soon as you get in the cab. And this is official airport taxis as well as street taxis; they're all involved in the game in certain countries. As soon as you get in the cab, just be jokey with the taxi, but just say. No festivals, no road closures, <laughs> no hotel is just please take me there. And then normally just say, then normally you be taken off guard and they'll say, Oh, don't worry, I'm not one of those taxi drivers.
0: <laughs> okay. You know,
1: just just humanize yourself with them and make sure you know you know the scams. It's not your first time in the country, even if it is.
0: Mm.
1: And you should be okay getting to your destination.
0: Right. Well, that's uh, that, that's really good advice. So I mean, scams is, is sort of the third top tip that we were going to cover. And I, I guess we've covered a couple of situations um, already on arrival, but um, I mean, they can happen anywhere when you're in unfamiliar territory. And I think it, it makes it even harder because it's, it's difficult to know what is sort of quote unquote normal in, in places that you've never been to. So what, what sort of scams have you come across on your, on your travels and how can we best avoid them?
1: Uh, Well, the one and only scam I've been taken in by was at Victoria Falls, and it was with money in uh, Zambia. It was with money changes, And some of these money changes they are absolute magicians. Like, they seem to be counting out money in front of you several times so that you're confident that you're getting the agreed rate. And then you take it away, and they've somehow, you know, it's half short. So I would always advise, always check your money, always take the money off them before you leave, count it in front of them. And also beware, this is particularly in India, maybe other countries that I'm not aware about. In some countries, banknotes, even if they have a tiny rip on them or a tiny ink stain, they're not accepted. You have to go to a bank and exchange it for a clean one. I mean, lots of shopkeepers or taxi drivers in India, they know that tourists are unlikely to know this. So they use it as an opportunity when they give you change to get rid of all their unusable notes. Right. So, whereas, obviously, in England, the Queen can have a moustache and a mohawk and the bank is still accepted. So, I mean, just make sure you check all your change as well.
0: Mm, so you're clean, clean bank. They're
1: legitimate notes and not ripped and not stained.
0: Right, yeah. That that, that does That is amazing. The, the money exchange scam, it, it does sound like the... That the guy was an absolute magician, as you say. It's uh, So I guess if somebody's being maybe a little bit too, I don't know, flamboyant with the way that they're, they're counting something, do you think that that's maybe a red flag to, you know, that you know, maybe they're trying to, to trick you? Yeah,
1: and also if they give you an implausibly good exchange rate, it probably is too good to be tricked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess so yeah yeah. Okay. yeah
1: as a general tip also just try and exchange the bare minimum at borders because obviously the exchange rates are dire so just change what you think you'll need
0: right okay uh, that's good that's good advice okay so the, the the fourth uh top tip that you had was um how to dress because sort of dressing the clothing that you're wearing can sort of increase or decrease the likelihood that you're maybe targeted by, by, by some of these scammers or, or worse. I think it goes deeper than just making sure that you stick to the local cultural dress expectations. So what, what advice would you give to travellers on, on how to dress? Well
1: personally whenever I travel, I would never travel with an actual wedding ring, an actual engagement ring but I do always make sure that I have a convincing-looking, cheaper alternative to a wedding ring.
0: Mm.
1: But it's clear that I'm married, I'm not available, to reduce the likelihood of hassle. Right. I make sure that I carry with me a husband and child photo, which you can get out of photo frames when you buy them from the shop. I mean, oh. you probably want to, in case your wallet's stolen, you probably don't want to be carrying around your actual husband and kids' photos. but just together with the ring and photo of your husband and child, this can massively reduce the hassle that you get, particularly as a female, but it also works with males.
0: Okay, okay. And what about so the clothes that you're wearing? Um, I mean, a lot of us think we go on holiday, for example, or, or a business trip and you know we're wearing a sharp suit or we're wearing our best uh, our best dresses or, or T-shirts. Um, I mean, is that something that we need to be conscious about when, when sort of going to some, some of these more unfamiliar places?
1: Well, I personally, when I've been in more dangerous areas like Mali, Congo, I don't dress in expensive power suits or anything. I don't wear an expensive watch. I try and more present myself as, you know, a lowly, scabby, impoverished backpacker <laughs> just to <laughs> reduce the likelihood. I mean there are cases that people have had their wrists macheted off um you know for expensive watches.
0: Really?
1: So I always make sure I buy you know a ten pound Nokia brick phone for the time, don't ever wear a watch. If you do if you are going for business, just don't be ostentatious. You know, just wear simple clothing, cotton trousers. Just to reduce reduce the attention as well. And as a woman, obviously, it goes without saying, really, if you're in maybe Islamic countries, make sure you cover your head, your shoulders, not only to be respectful of local traditions, but also to reduce the level of harassment and unwanted attention that you get.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, that, that's excellent. And, I mean, you mentioned uh, watches and, and valuables, and I think your fifth, your fifth top tip is about keeping your valuables safe. I think when we're traveling, we're, we're in a unique situation as we typically have almost valuable possessions with us, right? You know, we've got passports, large sums of money, we've got cameras, we've got phones, we've got laptops. So how, how can you make sure that you keep all of these, these precious items safe? Okay, well, firstly, um,
1: obviously lots of people rely on money belts. They've been around so long now that... Any most criminals know about these. I mean they're still a good idea to put some of your money in there, but try and split your cash and cards and valuables around your person, maybe some inside your sock, some um, some in a money belt. Yeah. I would tend to put some notes inside an empty paracetamol pack inside your bag. Yeah. And then so I can, I always carry a wallet with me that contains money that I can afford to lose. Not ideally, but I can afford to lose it. But not that so little that it would anger a potential thief. You know, mm-hmm. so you get approached by attackers. They say, give me your wallet, give me your phone. You you hand it over. Mm-hmm. And that's the tip. I would never try and be a hero. You know, if if someone approaches you with a knife, just give them whatever you get. And if you are completely cleared out, worst case scenario of all your money,
0: mm-hmm. try
1: to the nearest internet cafe or phone and get someone to Western Union you money, emergency money, because that comes through almost straight away all around Africa there's loads of Western Union outlets, any shop you can get this money from. Yeah, okay. So never be a hero, <laughs> just give up. Yeah. Yeah. And that's to the import- importance of travel insurance. <clears throat> like over my travels I always try and travel, when it's personal travels, as cheaply as possible but insurance is just the one thing that I never scrimp on. Mm. You
0: have
1: to think of your friends and family having to crowdfund to repatriate your body or to pay hundreds of thousands of pounds for your medical care. That's just one area. I'm all for travelling as cheaply as possible, but just not on travel insurance.
0: Mm. Yeah, so you would uh, you would take out uh, sort of a, a policy from a big respected company. And as you say, that's not one thing that you would you would sort of Quibble on with uh, with price right? Yeah,
1: everything else, yes. <laughs>
0: Not all, right. all right, no, that's uh, that's good. So, I mean, what, what about what about leaving your valuables back in a, in the hotel room? Because a lot of hotel rooms have safes. Um, would you would you sort of use a safe to keep um, keep valuables in?
1: I mean, there's there's mixed feedback on hotel safes. You always have to be aware that there's at least one person in the hotel that has the master for all safes. Mm. Change whatever the standard code is. Don't have your date of birth in case they manage to steal your password. Don't have 12344321. 4, and also about five years ago, I went to Eritrea for a TV network mm. and the network was convinced that either the hotel staff or security was going to rifle through my backpack that had camera like recordings and memory cards in. So what I did, I had an 80-litre, you know, a big traveling backpack with elastic mm. on with, you know, drawstring on the top. And uh, what I did is, if I was leaving my room, I had a big um, softback book that I would bend, say, page 160. So I'd bend it like that, hmm. put it on top of my valuables in my drawstring bag, and then, you know, draw the top draw the string, close my bag. And that meant that if anyone tried to rifle through my bag, as soon as they undid the drawstring, the softback would pop up. Ah, They would never be able to put it back on the exact page that you had known. So that's an excellent way to know if someone's been rifling through your stuff.
0: Right. No, that's an excellent tip. That yeah, very. I'm I'm going to use that one because there's this. Yeah, I
1: I thought of that when I was there. I hadn't read it anywhere, so maybe I'll patent it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Karina Bedford security method. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, because I mean it's. I mean, I've I've heard similar stories to to yourself, you know, sometimes you can't, you can't 100% trust them. Um, But sometimes you have stuff which is just too darn big to be able to put into a a pokey little safe. So you've, you've kind of got to leave it in a bag somewhere. And I think that that's... Well,
1: often in hotel wardrobes as well, they have an iron in a box. So if you have a big, valuable, maybe an expensive camera, you could remove the iron and then put it in the iron box.
0: Ah, right. Okay,
1: cool. Or if it's hotel stars, they're not going to steal what they think is their own iron. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is true, yes. I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, so just try and think laterally. Hide behind photo frames under your mattress in yeah empty paracetamol boxes. If you're a woman, you can hide it in, you know... Sanit- a pack of sanitary ware, which thieves really are unlikely to want to go near you know there's all sorts of places that thieves are unlikely to want to steal where you can stash your cash <laughs>
0: oh, excellent excellent Karina that's been that's been so uh informative I think that those five sort of tips are they're pretty universal right it's not just if you're traveling to, to to some of the you know unfamiliar places that you've been around you know africa asia etc i think that these are these are really solid tips for for people going anywhere that uh that they're sort of unfamiliar with so thank you very much for, for coming on the show and uh, and talking to us about them you're very welcome thank you for having me so thanks for listening and thanks again to Karina for sharing with us her five top tips on how to stay safe when traveling to new and unfamiliar destinations. As a special bonus for you, if you like this episode, you can download a free copy of an ebook we've collaborated on with Karina, where she outlines her five top tips for staying safe in new locations in more detail. Visit us at our website at helpwithmyvisa.com slash podcasts and download your free copy today. And if you're on YouTube, you can like and subscribe to our podcast channel so that you're automatically notified when we publish a new episode. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, please follow us to stay up to date on the audio versions of the show. Until next time, safe travels.